conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Hello. Happy awesome. Monday. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back, Jamie, our second favorite co-host. <laughs> Jamie's all uh, all buttoned up, ready for some big calls today. So he, he's not he, getting dressed up just for our show, Will. I was gonna say he makes us hoodie wearers look uh, look a little look a little lazy. You know, no big deal. No big deal. Just tuck this thing back here. Um, hey, but Jamie's. It, it, it's not every day that I leave my house, so <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. Yeah. Very fair. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, how the heck have you been, my friend? It's been what three weeks since we last saw you? Four weeks? Yeah, give or take. Yeah, and what once a month? It's it's the highlight of my month getting to uh, sit and talk with you guys. <laughs> well, I'm and, excited. We got a good outline for this week, but um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I don't know about you guys, but the the World Cup match was just unbelievable yesterday. Uh, so exciting! Everything a sports fan would want, even yeah. an American sports fan, when watching soccer. Goals were scored. Drama happened. <laughs> Last minute goals. Goes to penalty shootouts. Right. Ticked you, all and, uh, and Jamie, that wasn't the only trophy that we saw that was won this weekend didn't uh did, did we see something happen on your end too yeah so i've uh been in a dart league for eight years and this was the first season my team we won the won the championship so wow. it was pretty exciting look at that trophy <laughs> that's not a huge. small trophy that's bigger no. than the stanley cup it is bigger than the stanley cup yeah <laughs> It literally takes up the perfect window of Michael Golden. So I think we're going to leave it there the whole oh. show. <laughs> How many beers deep was this, Jamie? Uh, we were drinking out of a pitcher. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> How many pitchers deep, I guess? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it was. And we're on. It's a team thing. It was great. Um, beat our sort of arch rivals that we'd been losing to in the finals for the past few seasons. So uh, fun times. 
God. I love that. I love that you have dart rivals. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, uh, awesome. Well, we're glad to have you back. This is a good week to to jump in because you guys just released your Air DNA 2023 um, Outlook report, or yeah, Outlook report for short term mm-hmm. rentals. So there's a lot to cover. Um, we kind of set up like. I wouldn't call it a debate, more of a difference of opinions or maybe ideas and thoughts around what the future holds and and not to uh, share it too early with all of our listeners and live viewers. But uh, HFM, we're putting on our first, um, I guess, influencer roundtable, and we're going to cover actually predictions of 2023. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes and the chat, but I'm excited about that. We've got eight folks who are in various segments of hospitality, various segments even within subcategories of hospitality within short-term rentals. So everyone's going to have their prediction. They'll get a chance to to chat about it for three or four minutes and kind of support their arguments. And within an hour, we'll have uh, bold yet realistic predictions from some of the, the louder and bigger voices of uh, of the space, but none of them are going to be backed by AirD numbers, so we need to <laughs> uh, keep yeah. that in mind. Um, under well, the table for us, Jamie. Yeah, seriously, I'm going to send you my predictions like 30 minutes before. Um, but there was some industry news, and so before we get into the report, uh, just two things: we saw Muse raise 185 million dollars. So congrats. Equity. To it was north of 200 yeah. if you add in debt. So yeah, that's wild. That's a lot of money. So congrats money. to Richard and Matt. You guys are killing it. Um, and then Inspirado announces something. And I'll let Michael take it away because I guess well, back, uh, you're more familiar to Muse. with it. I think the, the cool thing with Muse is uh, they're going after independent hoteliers and kind of more hotel-like short-term rental operators. Um, they also have a venture arm, and we, we covered this maybe mm-hmm. six months ago, but Muse being able to invest in some of their best integration partners is a, a big win for up-and-coming hotel tech. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to align with one of the bigger platforms, and they can get some funding. And if they get funded, then you know Muse is going to, push them to the top of the line and, and, and sell them during their sales pitches. So mm-hmm. um, I really like that strategy. It, it flips on the head what we see a lot of times in short terminals, which is uh, vendors getting squeezed by PMSs, having to give up rev share to have an integration. Um, this seems like a win-win for both sides versus you know a win for, for one side. Um, moving into Inspirato, they, they launched Jaunt Living. Um, love the concept, hate the name. Uh, the concept basically is longer term stays. So a couple weeks to a couple months. If you don't want to buy, if you live in New York and you don't want to buy a place in Fort Lauderdale, you can subscribe with Jaunt Living and grab two months of, uh, of a place down there from their exclusive collections of properties. Uh, it could be snowbirds, it could be golf fanatics, it could be ski ski bums, ski fanatics, whatever. 
um, where you're picking up longer term stays, uh, higher revenues for Inspirado. They need it right now. Stock is not treating them very well, the, the public markets. Um, so hopefully this provides a bit of a lift for them. But I, I know the snowbird market's huge in, in certain areas. And I think this is an interesting play. So let's see if they can execute. 100%. Um, awesome. All right, Jamie. We're going to let you take it away. It's your time to shine. <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump into the data. I want to I wanna get into it because, uh, one, I'm not the most uh, data-driven person, I guess. Uh, so I'd love to hear. Give us like a brief overview of the, the outlook that you guys published last week. Yeah, so um, uh, twice a year we put out our, our updated forecasts. So where do we see the uh, current year and year ahead? Uh, so we just released that. Uh, there's a few sort of highlights that I think are that are interesting. And one, and we are anticipating a slight recession in 2023. Uh, that recession, and we don't expect to turn demand negative. Uh, so uh, this year, uh, as an industry in the U.S., we saw demand growth at about 20%. Uh, next year we're expecting about 6%. So that's, and, and you can do the math. That's a, a pretty significant drop off in, in the growth rate. Uh, supply, we're going from growing supply at 25% this year to about 9% next year. So the math there, and 9% supply growth, only 6% demand growth. That means occupancies are falling again uh, in 2023. And we already saw some pretty steep declines in occupancies in 2022. Um, and then the, the uh, lowering lowering of occupancy sort of erodes some of the pricing power of operators. And we only see ADR growth of about 1.7% next year. Uh, occupancy falling more than rate growth. That means average operator is uh, has a rev par decline of 1.6%. So that's sort of money to the bank. Um, everyone is sort of on average earning a little bit less next year than they earn this year. Um, and and where and earning less revenue is never good. Um, a decline of only 1.6% uh, in the face of recession, where recessions pretty and typically cause pretty deep declines in, in revenue being earned, uh, pretty steep declines in, in demand. Um, we're sort of coined this recession, a, a goods recession, as opposed to services travel. We expect overall travel demand to still actually be positive next year, which is much different than any other past recessions we've been in. So definitely some and some not so great news, but I think overall it's a pretty upbeat uh, outlook considering and what may be ahead in the overall economy. So many questions coming off of this. <laughs> um, I guess first and foremost for our hotel viewers, how does this track against some some of the numbers you're seeing on the hotel side? Yeah, so uh, I think STR's forecast for demand next year is up three percent. Uh, so we're up six percent. So that's still going to mean that short-term rental industry is taking share uh, back from hotels. Um, we've been growing overall share of accommodated demand. So, and you take people staying in hotels, people staying in short-term rentals, 
and look at short-term rental share of that overall demand. Uh, past year, year and a half, we've been growing about I'm 1% a year. Uh, and we expect that to roughly con continue uh, next year. So we're getting about 14% of total demand and it's going to be about 15% next year. So I'm, but I think importantly, even with the recession and, and STR, CBRE, uh, the other sort of main hotel forecasters also use Oxford, also incorporating that same recession um, into their baseline outlook. And, and they don't have the hotel industry going negative either. So, um, wow. Yeah. It, the eating up of market share of short rentals to hotels, what in 10 years, what does that look like? Where does this kind of stabilize? Yeah. And I've done, done some research on that. I think stabilization ends up around 20%. Uh, so we've got some ways to go. Uh, the pushback on getting higher is in certain markets. And we already see this, like you can only grow a, a short-term rental supply in a city to a certain point where you just start to see local, local pushback. Uh, yeah. People don't want, cities don't want, and, and, and too much of their supply, too much of their housing supply going towards cities. And, and we found that and in urban areas, once you get over about 19, 20%, you start to see significant pushback, new regulation. And it's really hard for an overall city to get above that amount. Is this where apartments by Marriott uh, fills a, a gap? Is that a hotel? Is it an apartment? Is it a, you know, do those numbers roll into short-term rental or do they roll into like AirDNA or STR? Yeah. And it's a good question, but I think it points out to where the industry evolves to and it's a purpose-built uh, product. So it's not homes, not apartments that were originally in the short-term rental industry or traditional long-term rental industry being shifted towards short-term. It's purpose-built. Um, it's mi mixed use. Uh, and when you start having that, it, it looks like a more typical hotel development cycle and it becomes one that, and growth rates just can't, you can't grow supply by 25% and doing purpose-built, uh, construction. So the growth rates just slowed more in line with what we see in traditional hotels. So are we still, are we still in a supply crunch? I know during or coming out of the pandemic, <laughs> Verbo, Airbnb, it's all about supply for them. Yep. Uh, has that tamed down a good bit? Is is it fairly balanced? Where, where are we? Yeah, it's fairly balanced. Uh, and we've seen and we saw declines in 20 and 2021 of supply. And there was no getting around it. People pulled their their homes out of the short term inventory during the pandemic. Uh, We've seen significant supply growth this past year um, across the world. Uh, that's been great for Airbnb, been great for Verbo, and helped them sort of growing their earnings uh, by adding additional supply and be able to accommodate more people uh, in their in those listings. Uh, that additional supply, though, has definitely pushed the occupancy and, and amount of revenue that each operator can earn down. And there's just more supply. Uh, guest I mean, demand isn't growing as fast as supply. So average revenue per uh, listing is, is going down throughout and a lot of the U.S., mostly in destination areas where supply growth has been, been greatest. Uh, and then and next year, the, the 
sort of economics of investing in short-term rentals just doesn't look as great. And interest rates are six, 7%. Home values are still elevated. We're not seeing significant declines yet in home values, though we do expect about 10% decline on peak to trough. And that's just going to make it where a new investment isn't as high as it's been. There's still going to be, this is where I'm interested in you guys' thoughts, like there's still going to be people and and existing second homeowners sort of bringing their homes into the inventory. There's people that and maybe are losing their jobs and want to earn revenues off of either their primary residence or, or a second home. So we do expect some growth, but, and it's yet to be seen where all that growth is going to come from. Yeah. It's like when you're talking about supply, it is definitely constrained in urban markets. We're already seeing that. We're even seeing it start to constrain in vacation rental markets. I think Breckenridge has a cap on how many short-term rentals, Palm Springs, something similar. Um, if we're going to grow supply essentially by, or, or demand by another 5%, which grows the total market share by 33%. Is that, is that good math? Um, where's that coming from? Where, where's everyone going? Is it, is it the urban stuff that is more apartment style? Is it, is it what Airbnb is doing on their multifamily team? Yeah, and the supply growth is still, or demand growth is still pretty widespread. And one thing we're seeing, and we expect to see more in 2023 on, is international travel back to the U.S. That is still down 33%. Uh, so, and that's especially uh, impactful for urban areas uh, where that demand, so demand from overseas travelers coming to the U.S. is still off more than 50%. Uh, a big piece of that was just how long the U.S. was uh, locked down um, and restricting really anyone that wanted to come to the U.S. So people just made plans elsewhere. Uh, and then also the strength of the dollar. And it just made made and continues to make traveling to the U.S. so much more expensive than staying domestically throughout parts of Europe or, or APAC or Latin America. But we already are seeing the dollar start to weaken a bit. And that could be really beneficial for urban travel next year. Will? Okay. Uh, I just didn't know if you're going to say anything else. Um, well, so would you say like the, I don't know, from a overall like management perspective, would you say the inventory that is larger, bigger type home style would be harder to add into the inventory growth or easier compared to like condos, and kind of more of the shared living space. For me personally, I'm not like I'm not de- like dogging on the shared living space or the smaller part because that's how a lot of people got into this whole industry. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like with the, I guess, tightening of spending in general, the the bigger homes will do better and not only revenue for the management, but they'll do because they're targeting a different type of traveler that probably isn't super worried or concerned about spending more on a luxury or higher-end property rather than uh, more budget accommodation. Yeah. I mean, typically at the higher end, we see their earning power not as impacted as much. So if we do go into recession, 
and the upper end of the income spectrum is still going to continue to travel. They're still going to continue to make take their vacations. Um, interesting enough, this so far and job losses have been seen in the tech sector, though, and some of the highest income in um, earning um, and sectors of the economy are the ones that have seen sort of the the weakness showing up first, and that's very very atypical. Uh, but overall, we expect and higher end travelers to keep traveling and uh, demand in those larger units, luxury units um, to stay robust. And, and what we see Airbnb already sort of shifting their uh, marketing to is around and that short term rentals are a great value play. So if we mm-hmm. do go into a recession and you are looking to save money, that you're coming to Airbnb to to find uh, um, cheaper accommodation, uh, and then sort of the push into having more private rooms, sort of shared space, and and you saw Brian's now running out his his spare bedroom. Uh, Is he? <laughs> yeah. Is he? I I wasn't able to book all the way up until 2025. So. Okay. Did he have? Did he ever have any calendar availability, Jamie? I don't. I, don't think so. <laughs> I, I I'll go back through the scrapes and see if there was <laughs> any know. calendar availability. Let us know. Uh, I'll let you know. Uh, but that's something, and broadly, consumers have moved away from, and especially during the pandemic, of you just don't want to stay in a shared accommodation. Uh, it was a pretty big piece of and what their demand was back in 2017, 2018, like. And in New York, I think it was almost 50% of demand was staying in private rooms. Uh, and if you wanted to go to the city, like, and you wanted to save money, and Airbnb was a really great option for that. Uh, and and pushing back, and I've stayed in a lot of sort of private rooms when traveling in Europe, traveling in the States, like, and it's different, but and in your 20s, 20, in your 30s, like, it's a great way to continue to be able to travel and not spend $200, dollars a night on a hotel room. So, yeah, that's a good point. So uh, I just go ahead. We we've seen a number of companies raise Propco funds uh, to go deploy Avant Stay, you know, being one of the biggest. But there's three or four that have raised at least twenty five, fifty, hundred million dollars, and they're buying at the peak time. Do you see this? blowing up and unraveling like i've i've long loved the owner operator model Mm -hmm. i do think it's a challenge you know especially the latter half of this year to deploy that capital responsibly yeah and broadly i see them sort of buying into and the long-term growth of the industry uh so if and institutional capital is getting in uh if and big pension funds, big sort of uh, private equity groups are going to want to be buying into the short-term rental industry. They're not going to want to do it at one or two million dollar investments at a time. They're going to be want to be able to come in and invest hundred, two hundred, three hundred, half a million, uh, uh, or half a billion at a time. Uh, and I think that's a lot of what these funds are sort of gearing up for: is how do we buy the homes, build the operations generate the cash flows that then and, and real and large institutional capital groups would be willing to buy in to the short-term rental industry. And that's probably still three, four, five years away. 
So they've got some runway. They and they they it, and a drop in asset values over one two years. And while not great, it's probably not going to sink them. And they're sort of looking at an exit still five years from now, and which gives sort of plenty of time for things to turn around. So as long as their investors are comfortable with that, uh, and they've got that sort of longer time horizon, I, I think I'm, I think they're going to be okay. But and it, not great for sort of a short short term like buy and sort of exit within a year. That that might be a little bit tough. Yeah. I mean, they, they'll typically refinance in two years or so uh, is, is what I, I've seen as most real estate models. But even then, interest rates will hopefully not be what they are now. I'm curious, do you, do you see them deploying 100% equity purchases or what, how, how much are they leveraging um, with financing? Yeah, they're, they're definitely leveraging. They're definitely using financing. Um and sort of uh, pushes that uh, and dollar further uh, to be able to deploy more assets. Uh, and it's coming in at, and at pretty high rates right now uh, for those properties that maybe they bought a year ago. Uh, they're not going to want to refinance those <laughs> depending on the sort of debt that they took. Year uh, and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and two years out, I don't, I don't, unless we go through a deep recession and the fed's got to really cut rates uh, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think we're going to do. They're going to do, and we're probably at a and higher rates for at least the next two years, and don't start seeing declines for maybe three or four. So it uh, may not be the best environment to be refinancing refinancing in in, in two years. And then last question on, on this: You mentioned the dollar is starting to show cracks and, and weaken. Um, do we get back to where it was two years ago or are we, is the dollar still going to remain stronger in a better position than most other global currencies? Yeah. And it really depends on what happens with the, with the recession next year. And if U S stays out of one and rest of the world goes into one, uh, that probably means the dollar staying strong. Um, if we sort of see a, a broad race, broad based recession around the world and, and we maybe keep declining a little bit in terms of the strength of the dollar. Uh, but it, it really depends on sort of what happens next year. Europe is much more at risk for recession than the U.S. right now, uh, given the war in Ukraine, high energy prices, uh, consumers starting to pull back. Uh, but uh, it's, nothing's sort of written in stone yet. So would it be a good time to invest in assets internationally or... Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've seen a bunch of funds sort of go out and trying to buy uh, in in Europe right now, uh, given and their investors are coming from the U.S. They're sort of being able to buy in euros, uh, essentially puts a, a 20, 25 percent discount on, on all the properties. Uh, and uh, 25 dis- percent discount is an assumption that it gets back to where it was, right? No, that's I mean you're sort of converting your USDs to Euros and 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 the sort of uh uh currency just conversion right now is and look at a year ago to today and you're getting twenty percent more euros for your dollar. So that that makes it just easier to um extend and what you can pay today uh if you're sort of if your money's in USDs. I love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, see. Yeah. So the big risk next year, though, is, and we haven't yet seen supply growth slow. So our expectation is that it slows, but it's still growing at 24% right now, year over year. Um, and we haven't seen that sort of turnover. Um, if, and we're definitely seeing demand growth slow. So if demand growth continues to slow and supply doesn't, and that and the big risk right now is just a you know, much further decline in occupancies next year, which I'm sort of playing into sort of that Airbnb bust hashtag. It could be, uh, and there there's a risk that things could be much worse for 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 the industry. Short term, short term, <clears throat> yeah. Let's see, like top couple things, two to three property managers listening now live or on the replay could do in order to kind of prepare for this. Do you think, um, obviously there's different business models, you know, uh, arbitrage versus co-host slash management, uh, ownership, all that good stuff. Yeah. And the number one thing is going to be sort of active revenue management. So if you're not paying attention to, and, um, and your weekly numbers, like where, how much bookings you're getting, how does that compare to your competitors? Uh, how how does your forward bookings look? Uh, and if you're not getting the bookings you need, like you got to adjust price. Uh, and if you're, um, and right now we're sort of in that lull and it's really slow booking times, sort of um, November, December, heading into January, but Come the third week of January, that's when everyone starts booking spring, summer travel. Um, and we see, and, and you've got to be ready of uh, monitoring that and adjusting prices accordingly. Because if you're just if you're just going to say, hey, we're going to stay at what we were last year and, and hope for the best, and you may get to a point where and it, it's too late to get the bookings you need to sort of make the numbers work. So we've yeah. seen a lot of, We've seen a lot of stuff change since COVID. Do you think that it's safe to assume that they can kind of predict for, okay, like not doing the same as last year, even though we see the trends of like, you know, the slow time, January, December, or sorry, November, December, January. Um, is is that still going to be true, even though it's like a completely different life cycle with the industry? Obviously, we saw a big boom through COVID and all sorts of stuff. So is it safe to say that or... Yeah, and that's where it's as much tracking pacing versus prior years as it is pacing just versus and what are all the other units in your in your market doing? Yeah. If everyone else is getting bookings and you're not, like <laughs> some something's something's wrong there. And it's and either gotta take a look at your listings, take a look at your views, take a look at what's causing people to book other properties and and would say eight times out of 10, it's probably price. Um, and you gotta, you gotta figure out what the price is. People are going to choose your property over, over others. Last question. We're, we're running up on time, but how do you balance that forward looking pricing with semi unpredictable inflation? Like we're still seeing an ADR crunch or rev bar crunch despite a 8% inflation in, in Europe more so, right? So is it smart to even take bookings nine, 12 months out? Or should you not, should you close down the calendar during those timeframes? Yeah, and 
ADRs are still growing over 5% now in the US. So we're, we're, we're not at inflation, but we're, we're close. So operators still have pricing power today. Uh, if you're accepting bookings that far out, um, I'm, I would definitely try to be pushing price and try to get that, that and at least covering inflation. Uh, uh, but then and overall next year, we are expecting inflation to come down. Um, so uh, I think current expectations are we go from 7% now down to three and a half, four by the end of next year. Uh, so that that does pull it down and pretty significantly. We're not at two, two and a half on where the Fed wants, but we're close to there. Uh, and, uh, and if there is a recession that does put sort of less pressure on wages and people aren't sort of asking for five, 10% raises if uh, unemployment's going up and you're worried about your job and you're sort of happy to happy to have what you have. But, and the hospitality industry is still in labor crunch. There's still labor crunch and, and you're more than likely going to have to continue to pay more to attract workers. And, and especially if demand still, still growing. So um, I would assume and expenses are going to probably be 5% higher next year. Uh, you're going to and at least try to cover that with rate. Uh, and if you can't, um, and uh, you can't, uh, okay, so profits are going down. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Down. Yeah, seriously. Well, snap. Uh, like Michael said, we were running out of time, but there's a lot to go into. It's a, uh, a good and a like it's not a bad note it's not a high note to leave you know good morning hospitality on the end of the year uh for our our last show until january so um i guess there's just a lot, there's a lot and i think you're right on the revenue management side so i'm glad that you brought that up i think um it's going to be the, the more important part of people's tech stacks as they're getting uh you know geared up for what's to to come ahead so jamie we're going to make sure we link this uh, report in the show notes and make sure that everything's covered for all of our listeners that like to get some of this action live. Um, and we got a couple of live viewers tuning in saying, thank you. Good stuff. So we appreciate you joining us again and we'll see everybody again. Uh, January, 2023. We'll see you guys next year. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next year. <laughs>